Hey, what's going on? This is David Avalon, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Guard with me and Robert Drysdale. In this episode, we're talking about something that's very important for any aspiring competitor or any person who's looking to be successful in, in their ventures in life, which is the mindset that you have when you're training or preparing for an event. And a lot of people overlook this. They think to be the best competitor, they have to focus on the best techniques and physical preparation, which is important. But without having the proper training mentality, you're not going to get the most out of yourself. And especially when it comes to competition, you're going to suffer. That's why you can see there's some people who are monsters in training and then they fizzle in competition. It's because they don't have the right mindset. So we talk over a variety of strategies, visualization techniques that can be employed to help you improve your performance. And like I said, this translates to outside of the martial arts as well. You know, if you're in business preparing for a conference or a presentation of some sort, these same techniques will help you there as well. That's why I always love the martial arts. I believe it translates to all areas of life. But let's go ahead and get started with the show. Before we get started, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, which is the Drysdale Cradle Series. Robert Drysdale has come up with a very unique way of employing the cradle, which is a wrestling pinning series, and he utilizes that with jiu-jitsu to make a very powerful guard passing sequence that also can tie into taking the back, to submission holds like the Dar's Choke, which he's very famous for, guillotines, Japanese neckties, and a bunch more. Especially if you're encountering a difficulty with like a Z guard or a half guard, these techniques will really help you out. Again, this is the Drysdale Cradle series, which is available in both DVD and online streaming formats that you can access by visiting bjjcradle.com. Again, that is bjjcradle.com. Go ahead and visit where you can learn more and download some free videos from the course. Hey, what's going on everybody? I'm David Avalon. I'm here with Robert Drysdale for another edition of the Breaking the Guard podcast. Robert's actually got a Early morning flight coming up, right? Yes, yes. I'm <laughs> off to San Francisco in a few. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, I get it. Similar life. Like, I, it was a dream. As in, like, when you think about it, you're getting paid to travel and do jujitsu. Like, what's, I can't think of a better job. Uh, it's still exhausting, though. Like, sometimes, like, this is an easy trip because it's close. Yeah. But, you know, there are trips, there are times where I had to fly to, like, Perth in Australia. Like, a 30 hour, it's a 32, I think the record is like 33, actually, Jesus. to get there. <laughs> You know, with all the layovers, and you know, by the time you adjust, it's time to come back. So you're jet lagged the whole time, and it's it's fun, but it's still exhausting. So it's not like a, I think people see pictures online, yeah, and they create all these assumptions that oh, it's a vacation, you know, like a little break. It's like it's far from a break. One time, I was in Europe, and I hit 17 cities in 21 days. Yeah, it's an, I you were telling us about the other time, <laughs> when you, not, your trip to yeah. Poland, going back and forth. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane, just a, man. Like, yeah, a lot of people, they, they look at people and they go, oh, jet setting and all that, but there's a lot of work behind it. And, oh, like, yeah. and then being in the air, it's exhausting. You know? it, it, being in the air is exhausting. You know, the part that kills me, that I'm sure you can relate, is that you know people don't care that you're jet lagged, that you're you know hungry. 
that you're you've been traveling for the last two weeks. Like they, like not everyone, but like they, they're constantly trying to test you. Like that's their ADCC, you know, that's their world championship. <laughs> like, bro, I'm here to teach you, man. I'm not, I don't feel like competing. And it doesn't happen a lot, but every now and then there's always that one guy that, you know, like he wants to, he wants to test himself, and you're like his measuring. Oh, when you're, when you're rolling and yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, just, I'm here to teach you, man. I'm not, and they assume that you're, you know, you're Jesus because you're supposed to be a superhero all the time. And they're like, dude, I really don't feel like going to war right now. I yeah. just landed, you know. But um, that part gets to you too. But overall, man, it's an amazing job. I can't complain. Yeah, you know that's why I stopped doing uh, roles in seminars yeah. for that reason because I remember I was teaching a seminar, and I used to roll all the time, and yeah. you know, just like everybody does. And I had this one kid who was a wrestler, yeah. and he just started spazzing, and he literally just threw an elbow from my, inside my guard and yeah. cut me open. Then, in the seminar. In the seminar. Oh, and then I armbarred him pretty viciously right yeah. afterwards, but I already lost. Yeah, <laughs> I got a cut. Of course, you can't win. Leaving, you, know? you can't win. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I'm like, you know what? I, I'll save the roles for I have know, a, another I had time. A, I have a story. Um, I remember when I first started teaching seminars. Right before I started teaching seminars, I heard this story of Hicks and Gracie tapping everyone at the seminar so if you go to the seminar he made everyone tap in my head i don't know why i believe like that first of all like when you think about it, if you get a bunch of people that don't train jiu-jitsu that's not impressive yeah you know that's but you know when they train jiu-jitsu it gets incredible the better they get it gets yeah. very yeah. difficult you know but in my head i'm going you know this is what you're supposed to do that's what you do at the seminar you're supposed to make everyone tap right yeah. so the first few seminars i taught for the first year maybe really I'm like, I go to seminars and be like 40, 50 people at the seminar. And I roll with every single one of them at oh the end. God, I make every brutal. single one of them tap. And then by that time, I was done. like a marathon. I'm exhausted, right? And I remember one time, we were at, uh, we were at ADCC. It would have been 2007, maybe, 9. Okay. can't remember. We're sitting around with a table, a bunch of black belts, right? We're just like chatting about it. But the seminar conversation came up. And they're like, yeah, man, you know, it's hard to traveling. Yeah, yeah, just talking seminars, right? And then I go like this. Yeah, the worst part is having to roll with everyone at the end. And everyone just stopped and looked at me like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the worst part is having to roll with everyone at the end of the seminar. And like, what, you're rolling with everyone? Are you crazy? <laughs> you're out of your mind. And I realized, I think I was the only person that was doing that. And that was it. I never, and I stopped that after that. But like now, like I'll pick like two, three guys. Yeah. You know, like I'll, I'll let the instructor pick like two, three guys for me to roll with. And yeah, it's as much as I'm going. I, I, I'm not looking for a marathon when I land. Yeah, I mean, I think the last one I can remember doing that with, where I was rolling with everybody, yeah. was like in North Carolina. Uh, I think it was like CTA, BJJ or something like that. And I, I was work, making short work of everybody, but then I faced this one kid who was really little. But he was one of those like super flexible Gumby, and he had a lot of spirit. And I'm like, I'm trying not to muscle, but at the same time, yeah. the kid was good. I think he was like a purple, a high purple or whatnot. It took me a good like ten minutes to get yeah. this, put this guy away. I'm like, Ugh. I know you have, to. and, and then yeah. it's 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 one of those things too. You're not yourself too because you're not, you know, you're not walking in there with that mindset. You're just there because a lot of times, like I've been around rooms with black belts that I looked up to when I was coming up, and I just wanted to roll with them just to say that I rolled with them. Right. I'm not looking to beat them. Like I remember one time I was like cornering for a way back in the day when I first moved to Vegas, uh, IFL and Sergio Pena was cornering someone that day too we were in the same room you know like the day before right the fighters were breaking a sweat i'm like Sergio, hey, i can roll with me yeah you know he's like yeah sure he was very friendly and i just wanted to roll with him because i wanted to have the honor of rolling correct, with him correct, yeah not because i'm trying to you know yeah, prove yourself prove a point, yeah. you know and i remember one time i was in abu dhabi with henzo there and i wanted to roll i didn't because i didn't want to be disrespectful 
We were at the same time. I really want to roll with Enzo. Not because I'm trying. Like, same thing, yeah. you know. I just want it, but it just didn't happen. And I, I get that part. I think that's cool, you yeah, know. But of course. all these guys come and want to try to go to war with you. I'm like, like, man, I, it's just not the right time. Yeah. You know, come to Vegas. Come to <laughs> Vegas. Spend, <laughs> spend a week with us in Vegas and, you know, we'll have that war. For sure, you know. And um, I think this translates well because this is talking about essentially the mindset that yeah. certain people have coming in. And yeah. that's what we wanted to take some time to talk about today. I know we have touched about on it quite a bit, but we've never really gone to depth. So I think this would be a good time to go into the mindset that you should be coming into training yeah. and how to approach it. Because as uh, we talked about with Mikey, you know, uh, you had mentioned aggression, yeah. right? And like you were saying, a lot of people just expect that they're going to train one way, which is usually like people love to flow, roll, and mess yeah. around. And then they're going to competition, become an animal. Yeah. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way, yeah. right? You are what you train yeah. at. So I guess, uh, how would you train aggression? Like, how do you, because it, it definitely is something you have to, a behavior you have to learn. Yeah. You can't it's a just, skill. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a skill. You have to be able to learn how to push yourself and attack, attack, attack. So like, what things do you do in your training in order to develop I know, that? Like, I think that there are different philosophies for jiu-jitsu. And we're, I think we should tackle them both like very differently because one of them is I train because I enjoy rolling. I want to get good, but I... You know, everyone wants to improve, but, you know, not a, a gold medal does not mean the same thing to everyone, right? There are people, I think the majority of people train jiu the vast majority, enjoy the culture, they enjoy the techniques, they enjoy the environment, the gym, their friends, you know, that's the, the, the lifestyle, right? And then there are those that are fully committed to, I just want to, be, I want to be a world champion. They're very different mindsets. Um, I think for the people that, that want that, metal the people that are really striving to improve they're striving for greatness right like it really comes down to you know you you have to be competitive in the gym there's no way you can walk in the gym and flow row every day and expect to be and like you were mentioning like an animal when you compete it's just not going to happen so the way to do this is develop that's why like having like strong social relationships in the gym having good bonds in the gym is helpful because for example if i go to war with you tomorrow right and I catch you where you catch me, it's not personal. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to get, oh, you know, Dave beat me three times in a row. You know, like, I would, actually, I'm thinking that Dave beat me. I would exactly what I'd be thinking. I'd be thinking Dave beat me three times in a row, and I, I got to get him back. But in <laughs> yeah. a healthy way, not in a, hey, I, you know, I'm not going to talk to you after practice, or it's not personal in any way, right? So your friends, they should be your enemies on the mats, a healthy kind of enemy, like we're trying to kill each other. Yeah, we're not hurt each other. There's a huge difference between trying to beat someone, tap them, and some someone trying to hurt you. Yeah. They're very different things. But the mindset has to be: I want to defeat you every second of every round, and then after we're done, we'll go have an acai together, and it's all good. And if you want revenge tomorrow, bring it, and we're gonna go after with for acai right after, you know. But I think you have to develop that culture. It's like a Shark Tank culture on the mats. Yeah, but it ends there. It doesn't come off the mats, right? And it's very important you learn how to separate these things because if you create that culture, I think that's a that's a champion culture. You know, it's a very important. It's very hard to do because people don't always understand the difference between, you know, trying to beat you on the mats and trying to you know just oh this guy goes too rough or this guy is a megalomaniac. He's trying to prove a point all the time, and you just got to be around the right people that understand this dynamic. For sure. I mean, I know. I grew up training with my brother. Yeah. And Perfect example. <laughs> we're Perfect around each example. other 24-7 pretty much. So we're always trying to tear each other apart. But, you know, 
that was just reserved for the mat. You yeah. know, we never had beef that spilled off of a hard roll. As soon as it's over, it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you said, it's like a well, I guess you would call it like a friendly rivalry, right? Yeah. Where you know, whenever we competed, we we're trying to rip each other's heads off, but we never try to hurt each other. Yeah. You know, if anybody did get hurt or someone said, oh, wait, I'm like, okay, you know, like yeah. you don't want to injure anybody. And likewise, when you're off the mat, it's not like about, oh, this guy got me. I hate this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Like, like we talked about the other day, like training and competition is all about improving yourself. Yeah. And you're just using that guy as a metric of how you're doing, right? Like if you expect like, oh, I'm better than this guy. And I, I usually tap him two or three times and I didn't tap him today. That means that I'm not doing something right. Yeah. Or maybe he adapted and now I have to adapt again yeah. to get back to where I believe I belong. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it should never be about being like, I, you see it sometimes too. Like people will get tapped and then they get, and they get upset. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> you're, you're wrong with the wrong person because ultimately you're yeah. the one that goofed up. Like, no, I tapped or. I, yeah, you know. like we were talking with Mike, like the ego thing. You, yeah. you sh I, I always got upset, but it was always at myself. And I think that's good. You like, you use that as fuel. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow to be better? Um, you mentioned your brother, and I always noticed, I always wish I had a brother like was close to my age because I think that would have been a great way of having that friendly rivalry you're describing because it's your brother. You love your brother. But you, how many times do you fight with your brother? Oh, man. But, like, a, it, a was, it, was, it, was, it was healthy, though. Like, yeah. it was good. Like, if I, if I had two boys and they wanted to be, like, fight, like, I would be, like, let them fight a little bit, you know? Like, I wouldn't let it go extreme. But, like, I think it's almost like that rivalry actually makes you better. Yeah. It helps you, you improve. Because deep down, you know that he's going to have your back no matter what. For sure. You know, and uh, it's funny because we got into fights all the time. But my dad, very early on, made rules for us to fight. Right, so like he said, we can never punch each other in the face. You can okay. you can hit yourself to the body. He's like throw. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he said you can never hit each other in the face, right? Yeah. And it's funny because even when we were like, we got into like maybe one fight when we were like teenagers, yeah. like seventeen or sixteen, and still I found myself throwing punches to the body. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I th so I think that's a good rule to have because yeah, like, if yeah. you're kids you can't really hurt each other yeah. like seriously if you're punching each other to the body I, I, I almost think that and it's kind of a respect yeah. thing too because like my brother got into fights all the time in school and he would deck people in the face but like yeah. we had that kind of like a sparring rule you, know? yeah, like, you yeah. can't you know it's like shoot fight rules only to yeah. the body down and uh, it's funny because and we would fight all the time and my grandmother she would like get nuts uh, go nuts seeing us fight but um there was only one time that my brother and I were getting out of control and we we're like yeah. breaking stuff around the house. And it was, my dad pulled both of us outside. <laughs> he goes, all right, you guys want to kill each other? Like, yeah. You wanna, you wanna? Okay. He grabbed a hammer, gave it to my brother, <laughs> and then gave me a baseball bat. He goes, go, go, kill each other. And then we're like... <laughs> He's like, okay, too much. Yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, put them down and hug each other. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that was it. Uh -huh. But it, it's important to have those rules of things just as a parent yeah. because... Like years later, we see our cousins fighting. Yeah. And it was like, one of them was 13, one of them was like 16. Yeah. Some of them were like that. And they were going nuts. And they clearly didn't have the same boundaries. They were, yeah. One of them was grabbing a hair and trying to punch yeah. him. And then my brother separated them. He goes, stop out. You guys want to kill each other? And they're like, yeah. He goes, okay. He gives the smaller one a hammer yeah. or a baseball bat. Yeah. And right away, when he turned away, he started getting ready to swing. <laughs> and I had to jump in there. Like, no. I have to wait till the other one gets the hammer. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, thank you. I'm like, yo, Marcus, you're crazy. Not yeah. everybody has those boundaries like we do. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. kid would have split this guy's head open. No, but like, I, I think that some of that is, is really healthy because it, it shows you that 
you know, like you, you, you that 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 rivalry is really how you. You see so many guys in 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 so many sports when the two brothers, like twin brothers, and they grow up competing against each other, they both excel. Oh yeah, you know, it's because I actually think they 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 have that kind of training. You need training partners like that, the ones you can have that friendly rivalry with. And I had those rivalries with um, like so. I mean, I remember like Damian Maya was to do do this back in the day, and I it, I thought he was doing it to piss me off. I don't know why he was like it was it worked. But like sometimes I'd be training and like he'd sweep me and he'd look up and go like this, that was two points. And then keep rolling. And I'm like, what is that, man? I'm like, what, what? I, I, I never seen that before. I'm like, oh yeah, two points? Okay. So I get him back and like, that was two points. And I keep going. But like it was it was it was very, very um there was a lot of aggression. You know, it was war, but it was one hundred percent on the mats, you know. And that is such a key aspect of any gym. Like for competitive purposes, right? For like sure. How to have people like that? And you don't need a hundred people like that. That's what we don't get. Like, I think if you had like two training partners like that, you can go to war. They understood that it's you know that that's how we train. Like that's this is the dynamic of when we, how we roll. Man, that's that's thing that's one of the most important ingredients for success is that you have a couple of training partners like that. And like I said, you don't need a hundred different guys. You need guys that show up every day, and you got two guys that give you really good rounds and make you do your very best. It, man. And, you know, there's a level of trust that comes with that, right? Yeah. And I think some people, they don't want to go to war with somebody because they're scared they're going to get hurt or that guy doesn't know how to control themselves. Yeah. Or maybe they, they don't trust themselves that they can push themselves hard enough to be competitive. Yeah. Um, I think I said this story a while back. We had two giants who like to bruise people. And then yeah. when they went against each other, they went yeah. super soft, you know? Yeah. It's the same type of thing, right? So. If you have people that you know, like, I can go hard with you, and yeah. you can go hard with me, and we'll be able to walk away with it without yeah. issue, without beef, Yeah. then it's a good game, you know? But, and like you said, like, you do need those people around yeah. you because that's going to be your motivation to train. Yeah. You know, like, we, just like what Felipe said, like, he was looking forward to that guy yeah. to show up to training. You should be like that with those, yeah. with those guys. Like, oh, he's coming in today. Like, a little nervous almost. Yeah, 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 yeah you're yeah. excited. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, I have to go in, and I, I can't just coast. Because this guy's coming from my head. I have to go in hard and push. Yeah. Because that gets you prepared for the competition mindset. Yeah. Because you can't just show up to a co competition like, oh, I'm just going to coast my way through this thing. Like, yeah. that's not going to work. Yeah. You have to, you have it, to go for the kill. And you have to be ready for that type of anxiety that you would develop in a competition, even in training. You know, that's why when some people go, go oh, training's easy. Like, training's never easy when it's done right. It's done right. That's the point. Like, You'll always have room to improve. You and there's always that pressure to go. That's why it's like uh, it's always hard to be in the competition grind for a long time because it's draining. Because there's no rest days. There's no day that's like oh I'm just gonna coast and chill. Like then you're not training hard enough. Because if I could run a mile comfortably in seven minutes, then I shouldn't be running it in seven. I should be trying to get six thirty yeah. or then six fifteen or six. Like I'm always trying to get more out of myself. You know, the moment you stop pushing the envelope, you stop growing. And uh, that's why, like, you need those competitive training partners. You need to be able to come in and, like you said, you should be a little nervous when you get yeah. into, into a tough training. Yeah, like, I remember, like, feeling a little nervous because I really didn't want to lose it. I knew that guy was going to be in practice. I can't lose to him today. He, like, he swept me yesterday. Like, oh, not today. And I'd be, like, in my head, I'd be, like, coming up with strategies on how to beat my training partners. Yeah. And it was, it was some ego. It was like the healthy you were talking For about. Sure, like I, yeah. I wanted to be the alpha male on the mat. I hate being number two. Like I want to be the best guy on the mats, right? But it was a way of preparing myself for competition. I was training my mind for competition. Of course, this this takes like a lot of maturity from all parties, right? Like 
to keep them because you don't want to poison the environment. But like, it's almost like I saw my friends as my rivals. Yeah, yeah. You know, like in a friendly way. And then I would come up with strategies on how to pass Lucas Leach's half guard. And I'd literally be thinking on the one to drive to Sao Paulo, be like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm just, it's kind of competition. It's getting, you know, not as nervous as a yeah. competition, but I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to do this. I'm going to try that. And let's, you know, and, and it was, it, it is a way of training your mind to react at the right time the way you want it to versus going to competition without that sort of experience, right? And just count on your jujitsu alone to do all the job. Now, if you're much better than your opponent, you're light years ahead of them, it kind of doesn't matter. But when does that happen? You're yeah. light years ahead of someone in your division. It doesn't happen. So, you know, the, the, this, comp, this, this preparing your mind to be competitive when it counts is priceless. I can't, I think it's one of the most underrated, under, you know, valued aspects of, of jiu-jitsu. People don't really talk about it. Like, they don't really, oh, just, well, just perfect your technique, work on your technique, get in better shape. Everyone talks about this. But, man, if your mind is not competitive, then I don't care how much you drill. I don't care how many techniques you know. You're, you're, not, you're just not going to win. You have to develop that competitive ability. For sure. Because at the, at the top levels, everybody's game is pretty close, right? And then it's essentially who wants it more, who's willing to pay a larger price yeah. to win that's going to determine... Who's going to put out more effort? Because when you have, like, especially ADCC, when you're going, like, 20-minute matches, you know, like, yeah. technique goes out the window at a certain point. Yeah. And it's just about, like, all right, who's going to yeah, pressure it's, harder? It's hard. You know, yeah. to to take in. Who, who has the heart to go through? And that heart essentially is your desire to win, yeah. right? Um, so, I, yeah, you know, pushing yourself in training. And the other thing I was going to say was that nervousness you get going into training, ideally – it would be the same type of nervousness you would have when you go to a tournament, yeah. right? Because what's the differences, right? Well, when you're going to the gym, the environment's comfortable. You know who you're training against. Yeah. You, and uh, so all those unknown variables are actually known. Yeah. So the only thing that you're nervous about is, okay, do I have the right game plan to beat this guy even though I know like what his game is? And that's only one aspect. But when you go to a tournament, you're like, I don't know who I'm competing against. I don't know how the venue's going to look like. I, so you have a lot more unknowns. But like, if you were able to close all those things off, it would be just like your training role. Yeah. Right. So, and that's why, like, if someone's able to compete like they train, they already have a champion's yeah. mindset. Yes. Now they just need to get the skill of the, the techniques and all that. Because, because when you think about it, it's just like you prepare your body for competition, right? Everyone understands this. You get in shape, you need to be in shape. You know, I don't care how good you are. Yep. If you gas out the second minute, you're done. Yeah. Right? You need to be in shape. Everyone gets this part. You have to have your technique sharp. Everyone, like, 100%, that is, you know, you, you, you need to be, you have to be good at jiu-jitsu to win, right? And when it comes to the mind, everyone assumes that, like, no, no, I don't have to train that guy. Like, and that's, it needs to be trained. It, it has to be in shape. Yeah. Like, your mind has to be in shape. Like, it has to be, um, and, 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 and it has to be, like, ready to win all the time. And that, that's something you develop in the gym. That's what people don't get, you know. And I can't emphasize this enough, the importance of stepping in the gyms with the mindset of like I just like you want to be on the podium and you want that first place you want that gold medal right the podium is symbolic yeah it's like a pyramid you know it's very symbolic you're at the top of the pyramid like there's no one better than me in my division I'm the number one guy and you want in the gym it's just a bigger pyramid that's how you have to look at the gym yeah. it's a bigger pyramid more people not three people four people on the podium there's a hundred people in the gym right I want to be the top guy I'm not content with being at the bottom of the pyramid you know, so in my head, I remember I, I, was, I had this vivid image in my head of like beating the best guy in the gym in my head. Like I drive to the gym, I'd be like, who's the best guy in the gym? That's the guy I gotta beat. 
you know, and I'd be, th- I, the drive was almost like meditation because I always had to drive a lot to train. It's always like know? an hour drive. Yeah, like yeah, sometimes yeah. I've done like three hours each way. Like it's, you know, but um, the drive there was the whole time it was meditation preparing my mind. I, I mean, whether I realized it or not, I was, I was training already. Like I'm my whole, the whole time, I'm just thinking how to beat that person. And that was just a fundamental exercise that I highly recommend people do. Just develop that sort of like competitive mindset whenever you get a minute. You know, like, and you have to be like, like I said, like aspiring to be the top of the pyramid the whole time. Like you don't, you can't, if you accept being a number two guy in the gym, guess what? Yeah, you're going to accept it. Guess what? You compete, you're going to accept it. It's okay if I lose. You know, I had a bad week. I have a bad knee. You know, I got in a fight with my girlfriend yesterday. You know, there's a lot going on in my life. And and I've done this. You've done this. We've all done it. You come up with the excuse. The the tendency of your mind is to want to feel good. Yeah. So you tell yourself all these lies to feel good when in fact you should be like, no, I do not want to take second place. And I call it the podium syndrome. People get that all the time. Yeah. You get on the podium, I'm good. And then you start <laughs> accepting the fact that you're going to lose the semifinal or the final, you know, because you got a medal. You know, but that starts in the gym. You know, if you're accepting second place in the gym, you're going to accept it when you compete. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you, you have to be willing to... Have a little bit of, like you said, anxiety in training. Yeah. Just a little bit. I mean, it shouldn't be like you're getting crushed by overwhelming pressure because then you're probably not handling it. It's a it, balance, right? right? It's a, it's a yeah. balance. But you do need a little bit of stress, right? Yeah. And again, because stress is just external pressure. Now, whether it's destructive or constructive depends on how you take it, right? Like uh, everybody responds to stress differently. Like, for example, if I put you on a roller coaster, and you love roller coasters, you're going to get a thrill. You'll get an endorphin rush and you'll enjoy it. And let's say I'm terrified of roller coasters. I get on there. I'm going to get, you know, all sorts of, you know, cortisol and other stuff that's going to make me nervous and uptight. But it's the same stimuli. Yeah. Right. It's just learning how to frame it. You know, so you have to, some people, they think stress is always the enemy. Like, no, stress is your friend. You just have to make it your yeah. friend. Right. So when you're going in there and you, like, you're talking about getting excited when you're nervous. Essentially, you have some nervous energy and then you're directing it into, okay, now this is going to push me to train harder. Yeah. Kind of like a flight or fight response, yeah, yeah. you know, in a way. Oh, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. It's, it's there for a reason. Yeah, like that's why like when you go to compete, you're, you, you're supposed to be nervous because you're about to battle and someone's going to try to rip your, your, your arm off. Yeah. You, know, you, you should be you, a little you, nervous. You said this a while ago. Like there's something wrong with you if you're not. It means you don't care. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, the fact that you're nervous means it means a lot to you. So that's yeah. good. You have to balance that out too, Dave. Because, like, I feel like I've always, like, erred on the other end. Like, I'm too nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to relax. Like, I, I tell myself sometimes just to kind of, like, you know, bring myself the middle. I'm like, adult in pajamas. That's all it is. World peace does not depend on me winning a jiu-jitsu match. Yeah. There's a more important things going on in the world. And, you know, life goes on if I lose. And it's because in my – that was, like, me – Sounds like I'm contradicting myself because like I was like so worried about losing that it actually harmed me a lot of ways because I was too nervous. Yeah. Right, you have to bring yourself back down and go like, hey, you know, just to kind of like balance that because you you do need to be like uh, uh, nervous. You want to be stressed, you know, I'm not just not overly stressed. And I think that I truly believe this. Like going back to the the, the, the training aspect of it, like the, the drive to Sao Paulo or whatever, was a way of like learning how to deal with that stress. You start because, like, Mikey did the best. He goes like this. Yeah, yeah, you get angry, nervous, whatever. You just put it aside. <laughs> it, it, it makes it sound so easy, yeah, right? Yeah. But, like, it, it's kind of what you have to do. Like, you're going to be stressed. 
and it's there for a reason, but you, you control it. Yeah. You're in charge of what you do with that stress versus letting it control you. Yeah. You know, and it is a it's, a it's a mental battle you have to play, and it's you basically have to win that fight. It's it's the it's the most important fight because if you walk in there, you know, defeated, it doesn't matter how good your jiu-jitsu is. I've, we've both seen it, like talented guy that can't win a match, he just can't win tournaments, and it's it's the, everyone his head, everyone his mind, like his mind is not right. And what is it? And I think it's really what we're describing, like he's just lacking that aggression or lacking the ability to control the stress and the anxiety. Yeah, I think for sure the, the control of the stress is the problem because, like you said, they can train well at the gym, so they know how to be aggressive yeah. and whatnot. But for whatever reason, when they enter a tournament setting, they have everything mishandled, right? Like perhaps they put too much pressure on themselves or they get scared or they put themselves beneath where they actually are in skill level, right? Yeah. So, again, you know, that's just getting your head right, you know, and um, I think a lot of that can be helped in training, but not just, oh, you got to roll more. No, no, you got to train your mind more. You got to, like, I'll give you some examples of things I would do in training for my mind. One, I had a journal. Uh, nowadays, everybody writes things that, I mean, types things away. I think there's something lost in typing versus writing. I, I'm not sure what it is, but I can remember anything I write twice down on a piece of paper and I've typed yeah. a lot of things, and it just disappears. Yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I always tell people, write. Don't don't use a computer to, yeah. or a keyboard or your phone. Get a pen and paper, yeah. old school. <laughs> yeah. Type and write but, it out. But not even type. Using dictation. Using dictation, which is even worse. You know. Yeah. Like, you're right, but it's, there's something about the. That's how I study in school. Yeah. I'd write everything that I wanted, like, and I just writing the answers down. They're on paper, but I just like put it on a different piece of paper. It was an exercise to remember the material. Yeah, I don't know if it's so. because it takes more effort or, you know, you're using certain skills maybe to be able slower, to write. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. But uh, in any case, I would write down things. For example, I'd write down my affirmations. Like every day I would write down like <clears throat> maybe like five different affirmations yeah. like 20 times each, yeah. right? Boom. So what would the, an affirmation be? Any positive statement or what? Like whenever I sprawl on somebody, they get crushed underneath me, yeah. right? And then I would just write that boom, 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 boom. And those are just positive statements trying to reaffirm skills that you want to have, right? And again, that goes a lot to your mindset, you know? Uh, I would also use like uh, devices like morphism, right? If you ever he heard, you ever seen a kid and you tell them, pretend you're Superman, and then they're, and they're yeah, running yeah. faster, and they're, you know, and they will do better because their mind is trying to live yeah. up to this representation of what they believe Superman would be like. Yeah. Oh, he's strong, he's fast, I gotta be faster and stronger. So I would use those same things in my affirmations and in my self-talk. Like I used to say whenever I clubbed somebody in the head, it was like a bear. Yeah. Right? Like I'm just going to smash, bah, boom. Yeah. Or when I shoot, it's like a bullet, boom. Yeah. I sprawl, it's an avalanche, you know. So like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So I would use these little uh, morphism techniques yeah. to get more out of myself. Because if I say I shoot like a bullet, I mean, I take a lazy shot. That's not right. That's not a bullet. Yeah, it's yeah. not a bullet, right? Yeah. So I have to know. I gotta. I gotta go hard. You know, it's yeah. funny. I did like similar. Not. I like your analogy way better. But like, and when I was like a blue belt, I had these guys that I looked up to. You know, when I was a blue belt, the guys were guys like Joleta, Zemario, Leo Vieira, Shaolin, like you know, Hobson Moore. Those are the guys that I looked up to. And I'd be in my head, like you know, trying to if I'm on top of someone, I'd picture myself as Mario. Yeah. And I just like I needed that kind of pressure. Like I'm just imagine what would Zemario do here? And I, this is how he would pass, right? Exactly. This kind of pressure. If I'm on top, someone passes someone's guard. What would Leo Vieira do here? He'd do this and move around. And like it was a way of forcing myself to move in a way I would not naturally move 
you know, because it's not me. I'm like, not now, it's someone else. It's a form of morphism. Like, yeah. I'd force myself to move like a ninja because I normally not would not move like that, you know? And, and, and it was... It was a way of challenging myself physically. And I, I stopped doing it after a while, but I think it's a good exercise. You know, if you got sure. someone you really look up to and you want just like, what would that person do in my shoes right now? And then you start trying to be that guy, you know, and it kind of forces you to at least change things around a bit. For sure. And there's no, like, that's morphism, 100%. I would do that with single legs. I'd shoot a sweep single like John Smith, who's arguably yeah. one of the better sweep singles. But uh, anything that you can think of that yeah. makes you push yourself more than you normally would yeah. is a valid... And it's oh, funny how you got to play these tricks on your mind. You know, it's like yeah. you're battling your mind because we think of the mind as something you control. I don't believe that. I think the mind is something your consciousness is trying. It's like the smaller aspect of your mind that is trying to control the rest of it. It's like you have like smaller percentage of your brain is like battling really hard to control because your tendency is to be scared. It's to be comfortable. It's to be, you know, like we, 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 we lean towards these things and you have to train your mind to let to force it to defeat that other part, you know, the part right. that's like negative or, you know, I just want to, you know, have a good time and not necessarily get better, yada, yada. Uh, it's super interesting to me how that works because I felt this struggle my whole life. No, because you have the, essentially you have your conscious and yeah. subconscious yeah. to be basic, right? And your subconscious is like the hardwired programming. Yeah. Right, so usually like an animal. Autopilot software that kind of runs on its own. Yeah, right? and yeah. then, so your conscious has a much harder time getting through messages to the subconscious because the subconscious is essentially it's a, a lot of it yeah, is programmed yeah. before you even had a chance to put any input. Yeah. You're just by, you know, genetics, your yeah. instinct, and then your parents when you're a little kid. So like by the time you're a grown man, a lot of it's already in there. And then changing it is difficult, right? The way I say, like, to make changes to your subconscious is like trying to get someone pregnant. Like, you have like a million ideas getting shot in there, yeah. and then like, eventually one of them gets one through. Of them through yeah. And then okay, now you got it. But like, yeah. I can't just tell myself, oh, I'm gonna train, you know, like Jordan Burroughs. Yeah. And then oh, one time it sunk. No, like I gotta go over and over yeah. and over and over until eventually the subconscious registers. Yeah. Okay, we'll do. We'll accept this yeah. idea now. Yeah. But it's difficult but because it's, a battle. it's yeah. a battle because a lot of like our programming is for self-preservation, yeah. which generally makes you a coward, yeah. right? Like animals yeah. are, are mostly cowards. Natural selection does not care about jujitsu. Like right. jujitsu is something we care about. No, like if you look at yeah. lions, do yeah. lions hunt the largest antelope yeah. or water buffalo? No, they go for the baby that's sick with a limp, right? Yeah, of course. Because they know if I go after the, the strongest one, there's a good likelihood I get hurt. And yeah. if I get hurt, there's no hospitals in the Sahara. Yeah. You know, I'm dead. Yeah. So I got to be very conservative with my, my hunting selection, yeah. right? So we're the same way. We don't look to pick fun. Like, that's why bullies don't pick up, you know, another big kid. They pick the weak kid that's of alone course. and isolated. Because that's easy prey, yeah. right? So you have to combat essentially tens to hundreds of thousands of years yeah. of evolution and instinct and self-preservation to and become brave yeah. and to become courageous, you know? It's very unnatural. You know, so that's why it is unnatural. Yeah. It's exact. I'm glad you put it that way because it's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah, it's, the natural is preservation. Yeah, you know? and like that's why, like in you know animals, there's one alpha male. There's not a hundred alpha males, right? It's yeah. it's difficult to be in that spot, and there's a few that contend for it, and then one is able to maintain. Top and, and it's funny, no matter how hard you try, like this blueprint you're describing, it's there. Yeah, it's you can't like oh I'm just going to rewrite my blueprint. Like no, there's certain things. They're just there. 
you know, and then you have to try to rewrite things, some things that you don't want because you're trying to do something that is not something that's in your programming, which is, it's in your program you want to be the best, but not necessarily, you know, not necessarily like jujitsu, yeah. you know, like it's your, 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 your mind is constantly, it, it wants to be the best, but it doesn't necessarily have the tools for, for that because you're always leaning towards comfort. I think that's where your consciousness comes in and it goes, what do we have to modify to shape myself as a champion? Yeah. My consciousness wants to be because your unconscious wants to be the alpha male. But it doesn't, it gives you all the wrong tools, I feel like, for jujitsu at least. Because you're right, like, we we are scared. You know, we are, like, you know, we do seek comfort, like, naturally, instinctively. Like, we lean towards the easy route. Like, people prefer to train with the easy training part and the easy prey. Right. And you have to kind of, like, force yourself to, like, who's the best guy in the gym? You know, that's the guy that sucks to train with, but that's the guy I need to train with the most. You know, that's the, that's where the bar is, right? Yeah, that's kind of another thing with your your mind. It rather avoid pain than seek pleasure. Right? Yeah. This is a commonly understood thing. So like that's why some people motivate themselves what you consider like negatively. Yeah. Because that works better generally than saying like if I gave you the choice, Robert, you could either win ten million dollars if you do this crazy suicide mission, yeah. or I kill your whole family. Yeah. Right? Which is a stronger motivation. Obviously, it's not losing your whole family, right? Depends. You really, some people don't like their family. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. right? You get what I'm saying, right? So those mechanisms also happen to you. So when you just tell yourself, oh, I just want to be the world champion, yeah. sometimes that isn't enough. Yeah. You know, you need to put yourself over. That's why, like, I, I forgot who's it, uh, that famous, Ricardo Mayorga, Mayorga, he would give away all of his money when he would win his boxing fight. He was a famous boxer, right? And he said because he couldn't fight if he wasn't hungry. If he had too much money, he was comfortable. Why am I fighting? Wow, that's legit, man. Right, so he would—he actually donated his money to the, the the town that he lived in. He would put that's like legit. light poles and all that because he would make essentially he would make himself broke so that every fight he would come into. I actually believe there's something about that. It's not that the, the finances do do change you because you do become more comfortable. Not just in jujitsu; it's about anything. Yeah, I, I think that the the guy who's hungriest is the guy that's like. You know, he's got absolutely nothing. Again, and that's you know, what we're talking about that. Yeah. Why it's, it's hard to be the champ because yeah. you got everything technically, right? Yeah. So now, like, what are you hungry for? Yeah. And so you have to be very ambitious in your goals. You know, I'm going to set a record for most title defenders, or yeah, you know, so it's tricky. But yeah, if you're hungry, you you have everything to prove, right? Yeah, that's exactly, why, like, yeah. hungry lions take and, desperate measures. And, and, and I think you know? it's not just financial too; it's recognition. Yeah, I think it's recognition. I think this is why I I've always. The whole thing about having like child celebrities or like, you know, like nine-year-olds or jiu-jitsu superstars. I know parents think they're doing the best for their kids. I think it's a horrible idea. You know, I, I don't, I just don't, I think that it's, it's, it's one of those things where you have to make them earn it. And in nine, you haven't earned it. Yeah. You haven't earned it at nine. I don't care how good you are, you know. And then what that does is it backfires because by the time they're 18, they've experienced so much of that. They're going, been there, done that. In their minds. You know, I'm awesome. I don't know why I keep trying. I'm awesome. You know, and I think there's something about, not only the money, but like the recognition too. Because we strive for these things. Everyone wants to be recognized. Everyone wants to get rich. If these things are handed to you too easily, right, it's easy to lose motivation. For sure. You know, I think that one, it's not the only thing. It's not the only factor going on. There's a lot more going on, obviously. That sh I mean, that those should not be your sole motivations, obviously. But 
they are motivations. People like to be recognized. They like to be acknowledged. And as a child, if you get that too soon or with too little effort, I think by the time they're 18, they're done. You know, and I, I see this a lot of like, like the guys that are coming up, like guys you don't, like, it's almost like the quiet guy always goes further. I think one reason why is because they don't get that because they're quiet. But if you look at like the, the, the most humble guys in jiu-jitsu, the ones that, I think there's a lot of things going on, but like they, they have, they've, they've achieved a lot because they never quite got the same recognition that some guys get when they're purple belts. Sure. And that's like, it's almost like, dude, that's not good for you, buddy. That's not good for you because you're going to lose some steam now. Yeah, you made too much of a of a deal on a, a relatively was, small. Yeah, it was. If if yeah. it's if it's if it's not, it's the um, you 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 lose motivation if it's handed too easy. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But like, we all seek fame, money, it's, because because there's something wrong with you. We, because yeah. essentially, we all seek power, and these are just different manifestations of power. Like yeah. money is just a physical manif manifestation of power, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, fame is. Essentially, social power. Yeah. Because ultimately, why do you want power? Because you want to be able to influence yeah. people and control them. So fame is one way of doing that. Money is obviously another way. Yeah. And then, like, the crude way, which caveman style, was just brute force, yeah. right? Like, if I was the biggest, strongest guy, yeah. I had the most power, literally, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, yeah, we definitely made it more complicated now yeah. because now there's all these social many types of layers, power. Many layers. Yeah, now yeah. power is you have 100 million people following yeah. you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's changed all yeah. the time. But, like, but there, there's, a, there's a common thread there. And the common thread is that, what's in the back of your mind telling you to be. And when you think about it, like, you know, leaving jujitsu competition aside, just thinking from a purely an observer and a rational perspective. You know, there's no, what's, what's really the point of being better than the guy next to you on the grand scheme of things? Or well, if you remove competition, all that, like forget about jiu-jitsu, medals, all that. Like, there's, no, there's no real point, you know, yeah. it's just, it, this is just, <laughs> I always talk okay, about you're, the, yeah, you're yeah. the top of the pyramid, okay. You know, it does, the, 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 when you really put it down like that, it's like, there's no point in being better than everyone else. I mean, what's the point? There's yeah. no point. No, you're you know, absolutely right. That's why I tell people like, the, you know, if your martial arts experience is just yeah. about being the, the, you know, the best fighter yeah. in the room, you're missing out on a large experience yeah. because you, you understand. You have to explain to somebody, oh, I spent my whole life just pursuing being yeah. able to punch someone in the face harder. Like you're just a big monkey now. Exactly. You're a talking gorilla. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's got to be more to it, right? Yeah. But um, for sure, I think being able to understand that kind of centers you as well. Yeah. Right, like you, you, you have to be a. I think humility is a huge part of the martial arts, and sometimes yeah. people lose it. I think particularly now, where there is money in being just a pure athlete, yeah, versus what I would consider being like a martial artist. Yeah, I think there's a difference. I, I, I call it a difference between being a fighter and being a martial artist. Yeah, very different things. Okay. A, a fighter is more of just an athlete. They haven't really encompassed the the mindset yeah. of being a martial artist, the humility, all the virtues yeah. of it. You know what I mean, and. Nowadays, you can get by with that. And you're like, that's like the coach that says, okay, you don't you learn jujitsu, just sprawl, yeah. and you'll be able to, you know, stand and bang. And yeah. they learn just a very limited skill set, just enough with combined with that athleticism and their will to win that they can go far, right? But they're missing a huge part of the journey, right? And I, and I feel it kind of makes the, it limits the growth of the martial arts movement because now people are associating being the fighter you know, versus being a martial artist. And I think the most important part of the martial arts is not, like you said, the physical aspect of it, but the mental aspect. Because yeah. the mental aspect translates to everything in your life. Yeah. I can't punch my kick in my way through an office, yeah. <laughs> right? It's not going to work. Yeah. So 
Uh, and like even just being competitive is something that helps you. Yeah. Like I talked I talk about with, with Mikey, like when I was in school, I used the same competitive mindset. I'm, like, I'm going to beat every student here. I'm going to outwork them. I'm going to outstudy them and I'm going to be the best student. Yeah. And when I was in high school, I wasn't a good student. I was generally a smart kid. Like I would get B's, but I never tried. Yeah. When I got to college, I was top of my class. I graduated magna cum laude, number one student in my engineering program. And it was because the competitive mindset. I wasn't just happy to get a B. No, I yeah. have to be the number one guy. And uh, training that is important. You know, and I, I feel that's why you know, martial arts is valuable. But I would say getting back to training, we had talked about a couple yeah. of things to do. And you had mentioned it with Mikey as well. Like one of the ways that you would train aggression is you would set goals within training. Yeah. Right? Like, so like tell us a little bit about that. Like, yeah. I, 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 I like that because it was, it was a way of not being comfortable. Right? I would literally like look at the clock sometimes. And I think it really helped my stock. Because like I've always want, and I'm not trying to, sometimes like I... I'd rather, I don't want to be like overly humble, overly arrogant. I just like rather be like what is like, I was always aggressive when I trained and when I fought, you know, I was always like put people away from just about anywhere, you know, at least trying like I have, you know, but I think I developed that mindset. Like I'd literally developed the habit of looking at the clock and like, if I had two minutes left, I'd be like, okay, two submissions, you know, and like, or if I, sometimes I had 30 seconds left and in my head, the scenario was so real, but the scenario I would imagine was this right here. I am 10 points behind and I got 30 seconds left. If I don't finish this guy, I'm going to lose a world title. And that's a story I tell myself. But it's interesting because you can tell that story and not believe it. Like, that's not real world title. I'm just in the gym. No one cares. No one's watching. Right? Whatever. But in my head, the scenario was very real. Yes. Like, I have 20 seconds to put this guy away. And if I don't finish him in 20 seconds, I'm going to get a silver medal at the world championship. And that narrative made me, like, almost, like, panic in practice. Like, I have to put this guy away no matter what. And it was just like trying to go for submission after submission after submission until I got it. And sometimes I'm like, sometimes I get it, sometimes not. But I'd be like, boom, like dead on the mats. Yeah. Like even in practice, I'd be like flat on my back, like give me 30 seconds here before I can stand up. And this is the part that always drives me nuts about, and I've done this, everyone does, but like I hate this behavior is when people lose tournaments and they have all that energy to stand up and complain with the ref and go like this and talk to their, you didn't leave it on the mats, did you? Yeah. You kept it all inside and you're complaining with the, you, you spent like not even half the energy you had to put this guy away. You did absolutely, you only did half the job, yeah, right? Because you're not even tired and you have all this energy to complain with the ref. To me, I always, I hated that behavior and I see it all the time where I think it starts in the gym. You know, you leave it on the mats. Like I'm got 30 seconds to put you away. And that was a way of me training that, going back to your question, like training that aggression. Like I play these games with myself. If I had five minutes on the clock, okay, five submissions and I count. You know, or someone someone will beat me. I'm like, okay, that person beat tapped me twice today. Tomorrow it's gonna be one. Not to happen twice. There's no way. And it was like always like setting. It's like sorry, if you're into weightlifting, mm -hmm. I'm not. I never care. <laughs> like you're like writing down how much you're bench pressing. I, I see people. I go to the gym all the time. People like taking notes and everything. That sounds like a lot of work. I, I just like that. give me something heavy and I'll lift. You know, but I'm not keeping track. But these guys, what they're doing is they're keeping track of their progress. So sure. 300 today. You know, 302 tomorrow, 305 next week, whatever. They're keeping track of their progress. And in jiu-jitsu, I think we should do similar things. If not, write it down. At least, you know, with the best guys in the gym go like, okay, today I only tapped you once. I got to tap you twice tomorrow. Yeah. But always like pushing that finish line, you know, like always ahead of you. Not really, don't get to the finish line and think I'm good, you know, because we've mentioned this a million times, but you're done growing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I always say what isn't measured isn't improved. 
Yeah. Right. So like I when I wait train, I always log everything down. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. Now I know you're <laughs> like that because I get I, I've seen how you like you do your your, your teaching. You have like um, I know you have like a. a, a Oh, the mind maps and the yeah, the maps and the positions, yeah. and I'm like going, oh man, I have that all in my head. Yeah. Like, Fuck, I'm gonna sit down and write that. I don't know, <laughs> but like Dave is really good about this, guys. He's very, very organized. By the way, he's like the brain behind this whole operation. You know, like he's the one that does everything. <laughs> I just talk. Uh, you're too humble. You see, that's what we're talking about: humility, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I always plot everything down. I measure things. So, what you're saying with yeah. setting goals and training is such a good device. I think a lot of people, if you're not doing that, this is an easy lesson to learn that you can take right now because it's very important. Because most, like I said, I, I feel the problem with most people: they just go to train and they're just trying to survive. I feel like if I, they don't even have a goal in mind of training yeah. other than just get out with all your limbs intact. Yeah. Right? That's about it. You know, and when you're a white belt. That's a noble goal because yeah. usually that's really hard. <laughs> if I didn't get tapped, I really won. I'm like, if you're a white belt, you know. That's a good goal, right? Don't, don't die. Yeah. <laughs> Make it through. But like, <laughs> once you got experience, you know, at least like at a blue belt level. You got to raise the bar. You got to raise the bar. You yeah. got to have some goals now, right? Yeah. Like in training goals, like those like get this amount of taps. It doesn't have to be always submissions or score this uh, sweep or get this guard pass. You know, like I would do similar things where I would set... The agenda, like, what am I going to work on today? Like, I'll say, uh, like, when I was working the Kimura Trap system, I literally said for four months, all I'm going to do is Kimura. I'm going to yeah. try to catch as many Kimuras as possible. Yeah. So every time I train, like, okay, only thing, I'm looking for Kimura. And to me, that was a way of developing skill because I'm forcing one particular situation nonstop. So I'm getting lots of experience quickly, which normally would take longer if I was playing my overall game. Yeah. Whereas I'm force feeding that scenario. So that's like situational training in a way, right? But even just in your regular training, like saying, okay, I got to score this amount of taps. Or I do this also a lot where you have the, the time limit. Yeah. One minute, I have to score or I lose. Yeah. Right? And, I do, and I do that with my classes as well. But you can see a lot of times people don't take it to heart. They don't. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, they, you, you got to believe it, man. You know, like, that scenario I was yeah. telling you about. Like, you yeah. can't, you have to believe that narrative. Yeah. Like, like, I am losing this fight. I'm going to lose a world title. And it's so, because I do that. And I've, it's exact same story. I've tried to mimic that in practice, and most people don't get it. They're like, yeah, just training. It's just a minute. And yeah, yeah. It, it's the, the mind thing is so much harder to teach than the, the technique. I feel like the technique is so much easier to teach. Yeah, my brother gets yeah. more. Uh, more vivid, and I think sometimes it's probably right. Like he says, if you don't get this takedown, your family's gonna die. <laughs> I've told my students that before, yeah. stuff like that, like yeah. before, you know. But like some some people yeah. that register is hard. Like, oh, okay, now yeah. I understand the message he's, he's trying, trying to convey. To right? With you, play tricks on your mind. Yeah. Really. yeah, yeah, because it has to be that way. Like I've seen people like when we do these drills, like thirty seconds or you lose, and they're like in their close guard. Oh, mic came out, but they'll be in their close guard and they won't open it, and they just sit there for thirty seconds. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Like, this is how you would yeah. you would lose like that? Like, yeah. your family it, just died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your family just died, <laughs> right? Because of you, you know. And I've seen yeah. that happen in tournaments once. Yeah. I had a guy I was coaching, and he was down by two from the very beginning of the match. Yeah. He got taken down. Yeah. And we're like, open your guard, move, sweep. Yeah. And he lost the whole match just in his closed guard. Never. Oh, he had a hell of a closed guard. I'm like, a, man, yeah. did you realize you were behind the points for like five minutes and you never went for one move? I, I and I, I can't look. Here's the thing: it's easy to judge, you know, when you, for example, I, in my head, I never understood that. Yeah. I remember, like, from a very, I always had like, I'm losing. I might as well go oh, out. Yeah. And like some people, they must have some kind of mental block or something that stops them from from opening up and relaxing. I believe that starts in the gym. Yeah. 
you know, so if you have that, that mindset where like, I just freeze when I compete, I get this all the time. Like, Rob, I just freeze when I compete. Like, I just can't move forward. Like, I just don't pass. I don't know what happens. I know the techniques, but I just can't do them, you know? And I think that if you have that sort of block, that's, that's not good, you know? Yeah, but sometimes, you know, like you, 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 you use what you got, man. Yeah. You don't get to choose the color of your hair, you know? You don't get to choose. Like, there are all these things about ourselves that we don't get to choose, man. So you just work with what you have and you can improve on them. So one thing I'd recommend is going back to what we've been saying the whole podcast is you start in the gym. Like, what are you going to do in the gym? Start with the guy that you know you can beat. Maybe not the best guy, but start somewhere where you're actually always making progress. Because it's fine to start down here and whatever that you're trying to improve on, as long as what? You're moving up. You're yeah. moving up. You know, and, and it starts in practice. That's what people don't get. They think it starts in competition. Yeah. Competition is the is the display of what you've been practicing technically, physically, and mentally. Yeah, if you're not, I think, especially those time drills are so important because if you can't push yourself in training to go hard for 30 seconds, yeah. like you're going to lose, you're not going to do it when you're competing. You'll be like that student of mine that just kept in his yeah. closed guard the whole time, right? And I think a lot of that is they think it could be worse, Yeah. right? Like, oh, imagine if... Uh, I think I, I call this losing gracefully. They think, oh, you know, I'd rather lose by an advantage than lose by getting armbarred, yeah. right? And to me, there's no difference. <laughs> a, loss no loss, is yeah. a loss is a loss. Like, I would lose with yeah. no grace. Yeah. I mean, once the match is over, I shake hands and all that. But, like, in that match, I, yeah. I can't lose face. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I, I got a better one. It's the same thing. It goes like this. It just drives me crazy. How oh, I lost to the guy who won the whole division. And I'm like, okay. It means he's probably the best guy in the division. Yeah. Oh, but... In my head, I always thought of mine, like, if I lose to you, I want you to be so tired. I'm going to give you such hell. I want to make sure you don't win your next match. Exactly. I would be more proud of the guy being so exhausted and losing his next match than the guy just, like, you know, killing everyone in the division. Because in my head, it's going, well, I didn't really work him, did I? I didn't do that much to him. But you're right about this mindset. People have that. And, I, and I've, I've suffered this before. Like, I just, like, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose by one advantage, you know? Yeah. And... Grand scheme of things, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, because then you know? you, that means you conserve some energy, yeah. then, or you didn't take uh, calculated risks yeah. because you thought like, oh no, I'm gonna lose worse. It's not, yeah. and, and really, what it is too is, and I've made this mistake before, where it's you're more worried about what your friends and people around you are gonna say, like, oh, Rob got demolished, versus Rob lost a really close fight. Yeah, and I think it's like the the, the social pressure in a way getting to you when it shouldn't. Right, you shouldn't let that get to you. You should be competing for yourself. But if you're watching other people around you and they're judging you, and you go, like, "Well, if I lose by one advantage, it's not as bad." Yeah, and you especially know? if it's the guy who won the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I it's only not lost bad by at all. That means like it could have been me winning. You know, we were yeah, so close. Yeah. And it's like it's a it's a it's a tale you tell yourself. It might be true sometimes. Like sometimes the final is the first match. You know, but you know, I think most of the time that's a tale people tell themselves or we tell ourselves. To feel better. Yeah. To feel better, yeah. Yeah, no, like I, I always went out on my sword and that same kind of mentality where it's like, I might lose, but he's going to remember this match yeah. and he's not going to remember it kindly, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like my brother yeah. had this thing when he was wrestling, he would headbutt that crap out of people. Yeah. And they, <laughs> he had this big old head in high school. <laughs> they, call him, they used to call him Mr. Lollipop because he was like stick figure and just a yeah. giant head. Okay. Yeah. And he would be like ramming people and whatnot. Yeah. And he would, he would lose matches sometimes, but the guy would be broken nose, bleeding and stuff like that. He's like, well, you he's remember like, me. You remember me. Like, you want to be, you want to be one of those guys yeah. where like you can't put them away easy yeah. because they're, they're there to fight, you know, and do damage. Yeah. You know, so like, 
I remember when I would compete at the end, like if I was losing, I'd be doing like flying arm bars and flying triangles. Yeah. Things I have no business doing as a bigger guy, but yeah. like I got to do something. Gotta I'm not going to sit down and lose. Create. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I always, I tell my students this all the time, some advice, you know, whoever's listening. The, 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 the first minute of the match, or not to say the first minute, it's a little arbitrary, but like the first encounter, that first contact is very important strategically. You know, it's very important because it sets the tone for the next, the next, the rest of the match, right? Like in the lightweight division, like if I get to pull guard before you do, that's half the win right there. Yeah. You know, so, but I always sit my tone myself at the end of the match, whether it's the last minute, the last two minutes is the most important part of the match because that's when your opponent is most dangerous. He's a cornered animal. Yeah. That's the guy that never went for a flying arm bar before. Right. You describe like you normally don't jump for flying arm bars, but like if you're, you got 30 seconds left and you're losing. You're going to jump for a flying armbar if the opportunity yeah. presents itself. That's when he's going to go for that footlock he never goes for. That's when he's going to be overly aggressive. Ironically, the person who is winning a lot of times is looking at the clock almost 30 seconds, and they start relaxing. They coast. Yeah. And, and you, that's why so many times in jiu-jitsu you see that happen, right? The very last 30 seconds, minute, you know, or 10 seconds sometimes, there's a reverse of, a reverse of, the, of the score. And I think it has to do with the mind more than anything. This guy that's behind, he's like second, right? But the finish line, he is sprinting to the finish line. Where is this guy that's in front is going, oh, the finish line is right here. I'm almost there. Yeah, I can kind of slow down a little bit. I'm going to win. And they get passed in the last second. And I see this time after time after time again. And, you know, some advice, the last minute, you got to stay sharp. It's like that's like when your opponent is most dangerous. Do not put your guard down. Do not, you know run slower just because you got 30 seconds left correct you, you gotta keep fighting you know like yeah. when we do the same drills even if you're saying like 30 seconds you know maybe 30 seconds you're winning but yeah. you gotta stay winning right and i think a lot of times what you said people they shift their mindset they think oh now i play super conservative and i change what i've been doing yeah. even though that's been working for the past like five yeah. six minutes and what you've done now is that you've moved back eased the pressure off the guy and now you're giving him room yeah. to work. Like to me, like whether it's five minutes or you know thirty seconds left, I'm playing the same game that's been working yeah. the whole time. Actually, I always worked in the reverse. Like when there was thirty seconds left, I was looking for the finish. Yeah, I'm like, okay, now it's time to end this thing. I yeah. don't, I don't want him to get out of here. Yeah, you, know? you stay aggressive. I stay Which aggressive. is your best defense? Right. You yeah, know, because the other yeah. guy has to be forced to defend. Or now, he's, now he's got to worry about two things: yeah. attacking and defending. Whereas, but now if you stop attacking, he's only got one thing on his mind. It's almost like you make it easier on yeah, them. Like yeah. you actually have to keep attacking. The thing is, I, I know everyone, like it's, it's, let's say BJJ matches 10 minutes, right? Black belt level, whatever. It's physically hard. Like towards the end there, you're tired. Yeah. Unless you're like Bushesha has that ability to explode. Like it's the first minute in the match with like yeah. 20 seconds left. I'm like, who does that, man? <laughs> you know, but some people have, but like it's normally you're very tired. So it's normal for you to want to slow down a little bit. But you, 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 it's not just a condition that kicks in here, Lord, your aggression, all that. But the mind has got to stay fighting the whole time. Sure. And I think at some point people start accepting it. Like, oh, it's almost over. It's almost over. You really got to yeah. like, not have that mindset towards the end of the fight. Correct. Yeah. You got to, like, I think you said it best. Like, you have to stay aggressive the whole time. Yeah. You know, ideally you're trying to get the win. You're trying to get the finish, yeah. you know. But you can't ease off on the guy and give him room. If what you've been doing has been working the whole time, don't stop it. Yeah. Like, keep that pressure on that guy. Don't let him, don't give him a window to try to counterattack or yeah. pull off a last minute Hail Mary, you know? Um, and that all starts in the, in the gym. I think, like you said, you have to 
have those drills and like sometimes we'll do, like I said, we do situationals where we'll say, okay, this guy's up by two, this guy's down by two, go. And to build that because now sometimes people are going to make that and say, oh, I'm just going to go super defensive, yeah, you know, but no, they got to learn. I got to still stay on the attack, you know, but uh, I think like you said, like the whole theme of this episode, train like you're going to compete. Yeah. Right. If you and, had to sum it up, that that would be it. And it's we cannot emphasize. I mean, sometimes like I repeat myself a lot in class and I'll probably do the same on this podcast. It's because it's that important. Correct. So if we're yes. saying something over and over and over, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I got it, Rob. Like, no, no, you didn't get it. <laughs> Listen to it again. You didn't get it. Because like, our minds are like, it's like showing, showing a technique to someone. My biggest peeve of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. They do the sweep once or twice. Like, yeah, I got it, coach. I'm like, no, you didn't. Do, do it on me. Yeah. Oh, I can't sweep you. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you don't, don't have it yet. You don't have it. You yeah. know, like, you have to understand this lesson on a deeper level that is not, it's like on your conscience, that's easy. You tell yourself, okay, be competitive in the gym. But how do you get that message to the knucklehead in the back? Yeah. Right? The subconscious that's so difficult to program. How do you... And I think it's what you said. It's like that repetition. Yeah. Like getting someone pregnant. You're like, one of them is going to make it through. It's going to get the message across. You know, like you have to, um, you know, you, you have to keep repeating that to yourself and visualizing it and training that and reminding yourself. It's like breaking a bad habit. How do you correct a really old and bad habit? Yeah. It's a difficult thing to do, but you, know, the, you have to, you have to fix that. You had mentioned this before and I like the analogy a lot, which is the trail. Yeah. Right. Like. You know, the more you put yourself on this path, yeah. it becomes a road and yeah. becomes cement with asphalt, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, this is, you know, what we're doing. So, if you're hearing a repeated theme, like, yeah, it's yeah. for a reason. And, it, it, you know, just like you had saying, like, you learn a move once, it doesn't mean you learned it, yeah. right? It's like you read a book once, it doesn't mean you know everything in the book. You I, have to keep rereading it. So, hopefully, these things are going to get across to you because they are very important and they are what separates the common uh, competitor versus the champion yeah. competitor. And I know we're a little short on time because Rob has to catch a flight. But I just want to do like a quick summary, yeah. real quick of what we talked about, the little devices that we used, right? So I think for training purposes, one, you do want to have a competitive environment, right? You want to have those people that you can spar with and go hard and be competitive, try to win. Right? And like I said, that, that shouldn't translate like you were saying, off the mat, right? Yeah. You guys are friends. And it doesn't mean you're trying to hurt anyone. Yeah. Like you can actually be extremely competitive. Like when I train with you, I'm trying to beat you. Yeah. But I'm watching out for your health as much as I watch out for mine. Like sure. I, and I, I have instances in my life where I'm not very proud of this, but like I was so angry that I couldn't beat this person that I actually hurt them at the end if I didn't have to. Like I've done this once, you know? Like I remember, like I'm still guilty about it. I've been 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago, I still think about it. I didn't have to hurt that guy. But like you don't, that's, that's, that's bad. Like you don't, you, you want to be competitive, but never, it's, it's always watching out for your partner's health. For sure. You know? because and that's good because you need that guy. It'd exactly. be selfish, if anything, if not for your partner, for yourself. Maybe tell the guy, don't yeah. break your toys. Don't break, exactly. <laughs> like the, you, you need this guy fresh on the mass to train with. So even for selfish reasons, not for altruistic mm -hmm. reasons, watch out for your training partners, you know, and, and that I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to develop that trust. Because once we have that trust, we know we can clash every day and it's not personal and it's not unhealthy. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, I love this. I can go forever, but it's funny because like right before this podcast, me and Dave were like talking about what we were going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and I think Dave said like, oh, we can explore a little more of like the, the mindset for a training competition because we've, we've touched on this before. And I'm like, 
I feel like we, we could have gone for another hour on this topic. We might revisit sure. it at some point. For sure. Yeah. And just to touch up on the last few things too, setting the training goals. Yeah. That's something that's a really good device that you can add, you know, to say you have to tap somebody out, you have to sweep somebody. Just set a goal for each training session. Don't mm-hmm. just show up there and like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever coach says and survive. Like, no, yeah. be ambitious. Put the goals on yourself. You, yeah, and you, you are going to be a little nervous going through training. That's the idea. Because when you're going to compete, you're going to be a little nervous too. Yeah. That just means you're invested and you're going to use that nervous energy and channel it yeah. to be more productive on the mats. And then we also talk about some mental devices. Like I was talking about using positive affirmations on a daily basis. Whether you write them down or you say them to yourself. Do it repeatedly, as you, Rob was saying, to get through that subconscious. You know, it's yeah. like a thick wall. You got to keep pounding it until you get an idea yeah. across, you know. Amorphism. I love that one. Yep. Picture yourself at your hero. Who's your hero? Like, and like, fight like him or be a gorilla. Like, what would a gorilla do right now to pass this card? Yeah. Anything you know, that's going to make you live up to a higher I version of yourself. That. I actually find I've always done that. I never thought of it. I think there was a word for it. But like, you are tr- playing tricks on your mind for it to be better. Yes. By imagining you're a bully. And, or, and, uh, and just like you were saying also, the, the situational is kind of like a morphism in a way where yeah. you're going to say like, oh, it's a world championship finals. You're down by yeah. two. You're in creating a little visualization yeah, of something. A scenario. A scenario, you know, and those are great too. But like you said, you got to believe them, right? If you're just saying it and then you're fighting still half-assed, it's like yeah. it, you didn't work. It like, didn't work. You should be like doing yeah. everything you can, you know? Like panicking. Yeah. Like I need to pass this card or I'm gonna, my family's going to get killed. Like yeah. tell yourself that if that works. Like yeah. if I don't pass this card, then, you know, my, you know, the world's going to end, you know? Like and tell yourself that to, to actually get that extra, you know, a bit of you know, put that push or that, that, that final fire actually, because these things count guys. It's not just a technique technique with devoid of aggression. I don't, I always make this analogy. Imagine a jab in slow motion. Yeah. Does doesn't. that land? <laughs> Imagine a double with no aggression. Oh, it's a super technical double Rob. Very, very technical. I've drilled it a million times. Mm-hmm. If it lacks aggression, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. Yeah. It needs to have a strong intent. Yes. Essentially stronger than your opponent's intent to defend it. Right. Exactly. So you exactly. need to be a relentless. But uh, I think that sums it up That's pretty well. It. I hope you guys enjoyed. This was fun. I really enjoyed this one as well. I've been enjoying these. these are fun. I hope you guys enjoyed as well. We asked you guys to uh, share, you know. For sure, uh, yeah. If you, you can know, spread uh, the word. You know, we have the website, breakingtheguard.com, which has all the links. You know, so feel free to share that with your friends on social media or email or whatever. Don't you share can. it with your com- uh, uh, opponents and the people <laughs> you're competing against. They don't you know this is for you and your friends. Okay? Don't share it with your opponent. They don't, no, no, not them. All right, guys. Cool. We'll see you next time. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. You remember, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please make sure you subscribe, first of all, if you haven't already. And then two, uh, help spread the word. You know, we're still a very new, new channel, so we can use all the viewership that we can. So if you have friends and family that would be interested, post it on your social media, send them an email, or just tell them by word of mouth about our, our podcast. Again, it's easy to find if they type Breaking the Guard podcast on iTunes, YouTube, or just Google in general. They should be able to find our content. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is FFA Coach. FFACoach.com is a membership portal from my academy in South Florida, which is called the Freestyle Fighting Academy, hence FFA. That's Fox Fox Alpha. And uh, it's a martial arts school, but it specializes in mixed martial arts. We're actually the first 
uh, mixed martial arts school in South Florida, opened back in 2001, where most people were doing BJJ. We were we started off right off the get go doing MMA, and um, we made this website to actually help our students train. And it was a closed system, so we would just give membership access to our students so they can see the curriculums because our gym works off a monthly rotating curriculum. We have uh, three sets of curriculums, one for beginners, which is like six months in experience and below. We have our CAP program or combat athlete program, which is for essentially anybody who's ranked white belt and above. And then we have our CAP color belt program, which is for blue belts and above. And within each curriculum, we also separate by striking, wrestling, and grappling. So it's a complete MMA formula so that you'll learn in a natural progression. Whereas most membership sites are kind of like an encyclopedia where you just have to pick and choose what techniques you want to learn without having a normal uh, rhythm to learning. FFA Coach is designed to lead you just as we're doing in a, our academy. It's the exact same curriculum every month that we're teaching from our gym, you're getting access to online. In addition, we have 1,500 videos uh, at this moment online with new videos being uploaded every week uh, from our classes, from sparring sessions, from competitions. So it is, a, as far to my knowledge, there isn't any other MMA coaching site quite like it. Most of the sites that I've seen are memberships for uh, BJJ sites, which are good. But if you're more of a mixed martial artist or want to learn more no-gi techniques, go ahead and visit ffacoach.com. And uh, and there you can get a free trial. Or not, I'm sorry, not a free trial, but you can get a $1 pass for 30 days where you can get full access to the website and all the content. And then afterwards, it's only $15 a month. And you can get it for as little as, I believe, like $10 a month if you pay for a year up front. So go ahead, check it out at ffacoach.com.